All right, the title of today's message is Day 2 Through Day 6A. Very exciting title, I know. Uh, But essentially tonight we're going to continue on in our series that we started. This is our third study within the book of Genesis, and uh, we are only on verse 6, so we're making some good good way. Um, But be of good cheer because you and I are going to be uh, traveling through and looking at a pretty big chunk tonight. Uh, starting in verse 6 and then going to verse 25. And that's going to bring us to the first part of the sixth sixth day of creation. Now, for us tonight, this is good for us to study. Uh, It's very good. You see, the Bible gives us answers to what the world can only come up with theories, right? Uh, The world, apart from God's word, can only come up with what they think happened in the beginning. But you and I, because we know and serve the God who is the beginning and the end, according to scripture, uh, we know. But you and I must know our Bibles and we must know the details. Uh, You see, it's one thing to have the truth. If you have a Bible tonight, then you have the truth. It's another thing to actually know the truth, and it's crucial for us to know what we believe. Because, listen, if you don't know what you believe, then when your thought of what you think happened in the beginning gets challenged, then your faith will begin to crumble before uh, not, not too long. It'll happen quickly. And so it's important that you and I not only know what the truth is, but the details of the truth. And so uh, we come up, we've come up to verse five in our studies, and we've kind of have come to this conclusion that within these first few verses that God has created, but not completed his creation, right? We, we know that God chose to create within a process and within an order. And today we come to day two, everyone say day two. We looked at day one in depth. I mean, we, we went through verse one and then we went verses two through five. And so that's, that was very in-depth. If you remember that first study where we went through every single word, right? Well, we're going to pick up speed a little bit and look at the rest of the days of creation minus the creation of mankind, uh, which we will save for next week because there's a little bit more details involved in that. And so uh, we, we kind of uh, introduced this pattern to you guys last week, and I want to put it in front of you once again. If you are taking notes tonight, which we pray you are, uh, you can just note this kind of pattern. It's a, it's a rather general pattern, but it is a little bit loose in regards to uh, each day. It's not exactly like this. Um, but generally speaking, as we go through day two, three, four, five, and six, we're going to see a creative word spoken. Right, like we saw last week when God said, let there be what? Light. Light. And so today, God's going to continue speaking and creating. That is his mode of creation, is his voice, is the word of God. When it said, God, God said, let there be light, he really did say that. And we know that creation follows. And so uh, the, the pattern is then uh, the writer of Genesis, who we know as Moses, will then report kind of the effect. When God said, let there be light, then the Bible says uh, there was light. And then uh, oftentimes there'll be God's evaluation. It'll say, and God saw that it was good. Day two is the only exception to that. And then oftentimes as well, there'll be God naming of these different things. Like today, We're going to see that God separates the waters from the dry land, and he calls the dry land earth, and he calls the water the seas. And so we see God's sovereign naming. And then finally, at the conclusion of each day, it'll say, and so the evening and the morning were the second day, or the third day, or the fourth day. And we know that that is a 24-hour period of time. That Genesis chapter 1 is not poetical in nature. It's not symbolic that it really was six 24-hour periods of time. And so this is kind of the, the pattern, okay? You guys got that? Are you guys writing this down? So you got the creative word, you got the report, you got God's evaluation, you got the sovereign naming most days, 
And then you also have then the numbering. Uh, and that is because, listen, the God of the Bible is a God of order. He's not a God of confusion, but a God of order. And we see that uh, within these first six days, okay? Uh, if you didn't have time to write all that down, see me after and I'll give it to you. Uh, last, last week as well, as we got into the specific days, um, we, we kind of see this, this pattern where the first three days are, are different from the last three. Uh, the first three are, is God kind of uh, creating uh, space, and then the last three is God kind of filling that space. And so, for example, day chapter one, uh, day chapter one, day one, uh, God creates light. But then day four, he creates the sources of that light. It's kind of weird, but the sun was not created on day one. The sun was created on day four. And so God fills day four, what he created on day one. And then we see that same with day two. Day two, uh, we're told that God uh, divides the, the water, the firmament, where there's going to begin to be an atmosphere. And then we see on day five that God begins to fill the dry land and fill uh, the, uh, the, the oceans and the, sorry, not the dry land, the, the oceans and the sky. And then day three, God creates, uh, separates the, the land and the seas. And, and then he fills the land with animals and humans on day six. So, so you kind of see uh, this pattern back and forth where day four fills day one, day five fills day two, and day six fills day three. Okay, does that make sense? So there's kind of this, this connection uh, within the genius and the order and complexity of God. And so uh, let's pray together, and then we'll just dive in to chapter one. All right? Sound good? Father, we thank you that you have not left us to guess. We don't have to go with some random guy's theory of, of the Big Bang or evolution. We know how it was. And Lord, we know that according to Hebrews chapter three, verse uh, chapter 11, verse 3, that it is by faith that we believe that the worlds were framed by the word of God. We weren't there, but because you've given us your word, which is trustworthy and true, we can trust that from Genesis to Revelation, you speak truth because you declare the end from the beginning. You have shown us that we can trust what you've said and so, God, we pray that you would give us understanding and clarity tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So basically, guys, we're going we're gonna to go day by day uh, from starting with day two. And then we're going to look all the way to the, only the beginning of day six. And we'll save mankind for next week. All right. So number one, you can note down, uh, we're looking at day two. Uh, which is entitled, what I'm entitling it, The Expansion, okay? And we see this in verses 6, 7, and 8. So let's read together. Uh, we'll just read one day at a time. If we were to read all the days at once, it'd be kind of a lot. And so we'll just read one day at a time and then talk about it. Verse 6, you can look in your Bibles with me, says this, Then God said, Let there be a firmament or an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And so the evening and the morning were the second day. Now, if you're like me, when you read verse six, seven, and eight, at the end of it, you say, what is going on? Uh, literally, I mean, today, as, as reading this and, and the last couple of days as I've been preparing for tonight, I'm like, what, what is exactly happening? Waters above the firmament, uh, below the firmament, what even is a firmament? And uh, in, in, in studying this, uh, other translations, you can note down if you are taking notes, firmament is also translated as the expanse. And so it could be translated, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And, 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 and that's, that, that kind of word is hopefully a little self-explanatory. Expanse, think about expansion. Uh, think about a, a widening, a, a getting bigger. Uh, this word, firmament, means to create something by spreading and stretching it out. It's kind of like if you at your house uh, began to expand on the property that you have. You, you add a room to the back uh, so, that, 
so that you have an extra room and more square footage in your head. You begin to stretch out what was already existing. And that's the word firmament. It's to expand, that God begins to expand what he initially created there on day one. And so reading these verses alone can be a little confusing because look look in your Bibles, look at verse six and seven. It says things like this firmament or this expanse is in the midst of the waters or dividing the waters from the waters. It's under the firmament. It's like, what, what, is, what is exactly happening? Well, to understand what verse 6 and 7 is saying, we got to jump first to verse 20, okay? Look at verse 20 in your Bibles. There in verse 20, it again references the firmament or the expanse, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. And so number one, we know that the firmament, the expanse is referring to the space where birds fly, which what do we call the space where birds fly? Yeah. Yeah. The sky, right? Or the more fancy term, the atmosphere. And so we know that what God begins to create in day two is the atmosphere, the sky, where the birds fly. And we only know that because of verse 20. And so first, God creates the sky, what we look up and see, uh, the atmosphere, okay? But it's more than that because look at verses 15, 16, and 17. We're not gonna read them, but this is where God tells us that he puts the sun, the moon, and the stars in the firmament or in the expanse. And so the firmament is not only referring to the sky, but also outer space entirely to the ends of the universe. And so day two, very simply, God creates the sky and God creates outer space. He forms together the atmosphere of our earth and the space. Now, this is very uh, uh, connected to what we see in scripture. Let me give you some examples. Psalm 104, verse 2, and Job 37, 18. Notice what is said here. Speaking of God, and we looked at this last week when we talked about light, who covered yourself with light as with a garment, and notice, who stretched out the heavens like a curtain. Show me if there was a curtain in front of you, how would you open the curtain if it was closed? Yeah, you, 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 would, you would, right? You would stretch it out. You would, uh, actually, you're not stretching out, but you're, you're opening it, right? And, and there's kind of the, this, this stretching that is happening. That's the kind of picture that the Bible gives us of what God did with the heavens, that's the firmament. That is the, the sky and space that God stretched it out or expanded it. We see this idea again in Job 37, 18. With him, have you spread out the skies? And remember, that's the idea of firmament or expanse, strong as, as a cast metal mirror that he spreads out the skies. And then again, Isaiah 40, verse 22 uh, says this. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Notice who stretches, everyone say stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. So these verse references that I'm sharing with you, and they're not the only ones, are talking about day two. That when God created, he didn't create uh, the, the entire known universe that we know now. It wasn't until day two that he took the space that he originally created and stretched it out. He, he, he spread it out to what we still believe is an ever-expanding universe, uh, that, it, that it's still going and expanding and stretching to this day. And so it's clear that God, that God on day two is preparing the atmosphere of earth for living things, because that's going to come up, Right? And so some believe that this is when God would have created oxygen and carbon dioxide around the earth so that plants and later the animals would be able to live on the atmosphere of the earth. That's day two. You know, what's very unique about the earth's atmosphere, our, our sky, right, our, our, our space, uh, is the fact that uh, it, it's, it's perfect 
for our ability to live here. There's no other planet or place in the known universe, uh, which is we're still knowing more and more every day, that can be suitable for plant life, animal life, and human life. This is something called the anthropic principle. Now, it's a, it's a fancy word. I'll spell it for you. For you. It's A-N-T-H-R-O-P-I-C, anthropic. Everyone say it, anthropic. The anthropic principle is the principle that everything in our earth is fine-tuned for our ability to live here. Meaning our earth is just the right distance from the sun. Our atmosphere is perfectly right for us. Uh, There's just the right substances here for life, just the right conditions. There are so many what scientists call cosmological constants that if they were slightly off, life couldn't exist here. Now, you and I, knowing Genesis 1, know that God created it like this. Now, let's just take our, our atmosphere, for example. If there was too much of just one of the many gases that exist uh, and, and, and make up our atmosphere, our planet would suffer from what is something called a runaway greenhouse effect, uh, meaning that, that life would not be sustainable. On the other hand, if there were not enough of these gases, then life on this planet would be devastated by radiation. Meaning, everyone take a breath. The very, the very fact that you can breathe and live, we take it for granted because we're so used to it. But the Bible says that God designed our atmosphere for life. And that's what we find here in day two. And so look back in your Bibles, look at day two again. When it's talking about the firmament, it's talking about the skies, and it's also talking about Space, and we see that God divides these two things. And um, now, what's kind of interesting about day two is that it's the only day where there's no statement uh, from God that He says it's good. Every other day, day one and three through six, God stands back and says, It was good. Now, some people think that because God didn't say this, it wasn't that it wasn't good. But it was probably due to the fact that this is one of the days where God didn't create anything new. Day two, God didn't create anything new. He divided what was already created. He, he divided this, this space. We're told this, this firmament. He began to expand what was already created. And so to say it was good uh, would likely be redundant. Now, what we know from Scripture Because look at what God calls the firmament, okay? Look in your Bibles. What does he call it? This expanse, this firmament. He names it. Heaven. Now, that's kind of, now, what, is he talking about God's throne room, heaven? Well, you can write down that the Bible talks about that there are three heavens. Did you know? Uh, kind of weird. Not, not heavens as in, as in there's different levels of eternity experience. But the Bible says that the first heaven is what we call the sky, the atmosphere. That's the first heaven. And then the second heaven is what we know as space. That's where the, the, the host of heavens is located. The stars, the sun, the moon, the planets. And then we have the third heaven. This is what Paul talks about that he went, which is God's throne room. This is the unseen heaven. Now, usually usually when you and I talk about heaven, we talk about the third heaven. But if you notice, there's different verses in the Bible that say, uh, you know, when we look up to the sky, the heavens declare the handiwork of God. Have you ever heard that verse? Psalm 19.1, we'll talk about it later. It's not talking about God's throne room. It's talking about the sky and specifically, even more specific, space. It's talking about the first and second heavens. This is what God has chosen to describe it. And so uh, that's all here in day two. Now I want to point your attention to the end of verse seven, okay? Verse seven says this, and it was so, and it was so. And we're going to see that repeated uh, throughout the days, and the idea of this, it's going to happen, it's going to be repeated six times within the creation account. 
Why? Because when God speaks, things happen. And so when God says, let there be light, you better believe there's going to be light. When he says, let the firmament firmament divide, uh, it's going to happen. And this, this, just a small statement, four words, blows evolution out of the water. You see, some Christians, they, they, they want to satisfy people that don't believe in God. And they say, oh, well, God did do it by evolution. Those six days, they're actually millions of years. It's not a 24-hour period. But the problem was, is this statement. Because when God says, it happens. Not slowly, not over millions of years, but when God directly speaks, things directly happen. Make sense? All right, you guys want to move on to day three? All right, look in your Bibles. We'll read it. Day three, we see the gathering of the waters and the growing of vegetation. All right, they, they, they happen on the same day, which is day three. Look with me in your Bibles. It says, then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And Verse 12, the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And so the evening and the morning were the third day. Day three, it's exciting. Things are starting to to really begin to happen, right? And so the first part of day three, we're told that, that God begins to gather together all the water. Because at this point, the earth is still unformed. It's in a sense what our best guess is kind of this watery, uh, spherical mass. Uh, But what happens is God begins to gather the water and he calls the water seas. And at that point, the dry land would begin to appear and he would call it what? Earth. Earth. Right? He would call it earth. The dry land would begin to appear and he would call it earth. Now, it would seem, we don't know for sure, but it would seem that the dry land, right? Right now, we are divided by water. Uh, Many believe that that is a result of the catastrophic flood that hit the earth and that God would have originally designed, from what it seems, uh, that, that the land masses would have been connected. Now, this doesn't mean that all the land is on one side of the earth and then everything else is ocean. Uh, people think that it could have been still very large and, 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 and its shores would have come in different shapes and sizes. But notice that the seas are, is, is plural. It doesn't say that God created the earth and the sea, which tells us that it wasn't just a land mass and then the ocean but that it seems that there were different oceans or different seas, uh, which which really tells us the volume and vastness of these bodies of water that would have surrounded the dry land. And so God begins to separate. He gathers the water together. Now, man, earth is really starting to look like what we know as earth. And so at this point, when the dry land appears, we see the second part of day three, uh, that God begins to fill the earth with vegetation. Hey, look in some of those verses that we just read. What I want you to note down for day three is that the plants that God made were fully formed. Okay, get that phrasing, fully formed. There were three basic types of plants that were created, grasses, shrubs, and trees. Those fruit trees that God would have made on day three would have already had fruit on them. It's not that God planted seeds and then months from day three, they would, they would then sprout and then Adam and Eve would have food and the animals would have food. No, God's about to create the animals. And what do animals eat on day five? They're gonna be eating vegetation. There was no meat eating at this time. Uh, that is post uh, the fall and, and it was allowed post the flood. 
But what we got to understand that the trees, grasses, and everything fully formed uh, into uh, their, uh, what they would have been. This shows right away that there would have been to the earth, earth an appearance of age. Meaning when God created during these six days, he created things with an appearance of maturity. Right, we're going to get to that next week. Adam and Eve were not created as babies. They were created as a man and a woman, fully formed, fully matured, and uh, the, the vegetation would have been similar. Now, I don't know if you caught it in our reading, but there's a phrase that is going to be repeated nine more times within our reading for a total of 10 times, and it's the phrase, according to its kind. You guys remember reading that before, even maybe before tonight? It's a, it's a phrase that God uses 10 times in chapter one. You might want to just write it down. According to its kind or according to their kind. It's this focus on this word kind. And remember, whenever something is repeated in the Bible, it's noteworthy. And if it's repeated 10 times in one chapter, God's trying to make a point. And the point here, the, the Bible says that God made them with seed, so that fruit tree would have fruit, and what would be in the fruit? Seeds, right? And when that, when that, when those, uh, when that fruit would fall or, or be eaten, those seeds would then be dispersed, right? Meaning God built into vegetation the ability to re replace itself, to re reproduce. Uh, we even know for the plants here that that the, the, the design was, was that they would get more and more, that God would have covered the earth, but that it would have gotten more and more uh, beautiful uh, through this ability. Now, we're going to talk more about this according to its kind at the end of our message, uh, because it's going to be the same thing for sea creatures. They were created according to their kind. Birds of the air created according to their kind. And also uh, animals were created according to their kind. So there is some cross, uh, crossing of, of plants and, and fruits and vegetables and things like that. But there, that's only so limited. You can't cross an orange tree with a coconut tree and make an orange coconut. Uh, that'd be very cool. But God made different plants according to their kind. And so while there are variations, right? Aren't there a variety of oranges? Right, you got the cuties, you got the navel, you got the different kind of oranges, right? You got the clementines, the tangerines, but that is all within the kind of orange. And there's some things that can cross into it, uh, but, you, but you're not going to get, again, a coconut orange. It's an impossible thing uh, to breed together, okay? Make sense? All right, let's move on uh, to day number four. And this is a certainly uh, exciting one, day four. We find this in verses 14 through 19. And day four is all about outer space. Everything that happens on day four has to do with space. This is when God creates the sun, the moon, the stars, and everything that is in existence within our solar system, universe, and uh, uh, galaxies, and, and uh, universe known and unknown. All right? You guys okay? I know this is a different type of Bible study, but... but it is important that we have this foundation, okay? Look at verse 14 with me, and we'll read the, down to verse 19. It says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens. Do you remember reading about that? Right? That's day two. So that outer space, God's going to begin to fill the outer space, and he's going to divide the day from the night, and let them be for the signs and seasons and for the days and years. And let them be for the lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on earth. And it was so... Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. That would be the sun and the moon. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And so the evening and the morning were the, what number day? Fourth day. So day four, God creates everything in outer space. Now, look in your Bibles and look at verse 14. The word light that you find there in verse 14 
is different from the word light that we found in verse three. Last week, God said, let there be light. This week, what we are studying, God begins to, to give the, that light that he created a source, a, a body, if you will. This word light, it means a light giver. On day four, God created light givers. He created light on day one and light givers on day four. And, and this word light is used seven times in this section about day four. Now, what's kind of a trip is that the sun came after the earth. Now, in our solar system right now, if you take away the sun, there ain't going to be no earth. It's going it's to throw everything off in a way that is going to produce absolute destruction. Well, at this point, the earth existed without the sun. And the reason this is significant is because those who believe in the Big Bang believe that the sun came before the earth. And so we can know that the Big Bang Theory is out because we know the earth came before the sun, okay? But notice in this section, it gives us some, some purpose. Why did God create as many stars as he did? Why did he create the other planets? Well, is, it for, is it because there's aliens out there? Many people believe so. What I want you to notice of what we just read is that the purpose that God gives us, all the purposes have to do with earth, right? Look there in what we just read. The firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons for days and years. Let them be for the lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. It was all about the earth. This is why I don't personally believe in aliens because what we have here the central focal point, though the earth revolves around the sun, it's really the sun that is there for the earth. The, the stars and everything that we see, it is there ultimately for the glory of God, but it's there for the earth. It's so that you and I would look up and give glory to God. And so the overarching purpose is to divide the day and the night, right? We got the sun and the moon uh, and to give light on earth. Now, I want you to note down the, the three, the four reasons uh, that were given in verse 14. Why does the sun, moon, stars, and planets exist? Why? why? Well, the first reason is it is to give signs. This is uh, referencing navigation. This is the ability, right, the, the North Star uh, or the constellations that that I'm, we don't because we have these little phones that tell us where to go uh, and, and maps and things like that. But think about Adam and Eve, right? They don't know how the whole earth is laid out. Well, God gave them stars and, and, and different ways. We know that the sun, you know, where it sets and where it rises. And so for, for a fixed reference point that for people on earth, they would be able to look up and know which direction they're going. And so that's the idea of signs for navigation, Secondly, uh, for seasons. You know, the reason that we have seasons is based not upon just earth, but based upon the sun, the moon, and, 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 and how the earth rotates. These are those natural divisions in a year. It has to do with, seasons has to do with temperature control, right? That, that's based upon uh, the, the things that are in outer space. Now, something to note down, Seasons, when God first created seasons, they probably weren't as extreme as they are in some places today, right? You travel to some places and it, right, it's super cold in the winters and super hot in the summer. Uh, more likely, it was actually probably seasons were more like California uh, temperature and climate. And so uh, you can, you know, keep that one in your back pocket. Days, right, that's a 24-hour period that has to do with uh, you know, the, the earth rotating on its axis, but that's dependent upon the location of the sun, right? So some of the earth is getting the direct sunlight while some of the earth is only getting the light from the moon. And then of course, years, that is based upon uh, the moon. The fact that we have a year is based upon months, 
which they're 12 lunar months or the complete cycle of the seasons. Now, now why, why do I give this to you? It's the fact that at the end of the day, Psalm 19.1, the verse I was sharing with you earlier, the heavens declare the glory of God. There are definitely practical purposes, but did God have to make the universe so big? No, he, he didn't have to. But I just think it's pretty cool now that technology is advancing, that more and more we're realizing how vast, how big God really made all of this. But the focal point isn't the incredible stars and galaxies. The focal point, according to Genesis chapter one, is the earth. Because what God creates on the earth, what we're gonna find out next week, is the crown jewel and pinnacle of creation, which is you and I, which we live here on earth. Earth, though it is not the center point of the universe, it actually is, according to Genesis chapter one. And I love that little phrase, he, also, he made the stars also. Do you guys catch that? Look in your Bibles. Look at the end of verse 16. He says, uh, and he made the stars also. Do you guys know how many stars are in the universe? There's one little phrase that God says, he made the stars also. It's estimated that in the Milky Way galaxy alone, there are 100 billion stars. That is a one with 24 zeros that follow. And that's only in our galaxy. Uh, the idea is that it is incomprehensible how many stars there are. Uh, Psalm 147 verse 4 says he counts the number of the stars and he calls them all by name. There are an innumerable amount of stars, though it's, it is, you can number them, not you or I, but God, who says that he has named them. But the stars aren't God's focus. It's actually earth and what he will create on them. Okay, so that's day four. You guys got it? Okay, let's move on. We got to go quick. Day five, this is the filling of the skies and the sea. Uh, he puts animals in the ocean and the waters, and he puts animals in the air. Notice verse 20. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. And so God created sea creatures and every living thing that moves with the water which abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And so the evening and the morning were the what day? The fifth day, day number five. He first focuses on filling the waters and then he focuses on filling the skies. Uh, between day five and six, the words living creature appear seven times. Living creature, seven times between day five and six. You see, what day five tells you and I and day six is that we can be confident the chicken came before the egg, all right? When, when, when God created the birds, he didn't create eggs. There was no eggs. When, there was no fish eggs. There was no bird eggs. There was not. God created the animals, and then from them, then came the eggs. And so we can be absolute confident that the chicken came before the egg. But I know that's a funny. That's funny. Hopefully, at least Anna thinks it's funny. So I like that. Uh, but but this is what God's word says. So when someone asks you, "What do you think came first? You don't have to think. You can know what God's word says. And so God blesses the animals and gives them instruction. Very different. God didn't bless the plants. God didn't give the, the, the plants instruction because there's something different about animals. Okay? Animals are different than humans, but animals are also different than plants. You know, some people want to say, oh, you know, the, the plants are living. Not according to the Bible. The, the Bible doesn't say that plants are living creatures. It's this word in Hebrew, nefesh. It sounds really weird, but it's, this, it's, it's the fact that it's talking about life. And it's the same word that's used to describe a living being as a human and a living being as a animal. Now, we know that there are differences because 
uh, humans are made in the image of God. Again, that's next week. Uh, but they are different. God talks to the animals. I mean, he says, look at what he says there. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters. Let the birds multiply on earth. He speaks to them. So you, you're not weird that you talk to your dog. It's okay, all right? Uh, God talks to, to, to animals and they obey him. You see in 1 Kings 17 that God directs the birds to bring food to Elijah. They obey him. They know that he is their creator. And so uh, the earth didn't bring forth. He created. He created the animals uh, here that are in the sea and that are in the air. Okay, that's day five. You ready for the last, last little bit? Day six, the filling of land. Now we're only looking at the first part. Uh, and we'll save the best for last next week. But look at verse 24. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, the cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth. I wish he didn't have to say creeping thing, but that's a reality. And beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. It was good. And so God creates the animals to live on dry land. And so now we got the water filled, we got the sky filled, and we got the dry land filled with all kinds of animals, including what you and I refer to as dinosaurs, all on day six, all right? Uh, they lived, all animals were created at the same time. Not that animals were created on day two or dinosaurs were created on day two. No, everything was created on the first part of day six. Now, I want to go back to that, that phrase that we talked about, kind, okay, according to its kind. Uh, what we just read, we read that phrase 10 times. So you should note that down, according to its kind, plants and animals. God made these boundaries. And this, this shows us that, that those animals can't cross certain boundaries. You see, dogs, you can only breed with other dogs, you can't take a dog and a horse and make a dog horse, okay? As crazy as that might be. Now, there's some dogs that are so big, it's like a little mini horse, uh, but, but they're different. It's according to its kind. This is scientific type of stuff, guys. Uh, this is uh, Ken Ham. I've shared with, uh, uh, with him, I've shared with you about him before. He's the one that, that has the commentary that I suggested you guys get called Creation to Babel. You can get it in the bookstore, Genesis 1 through 11. Now this is, can be a, a, a confusing phrase, but just, just bear, bear with me. Look what he says. He says, God made the original kinds of animals and plants as separate kinds to reproduce after their own kind. So one kind would not change into another kind, but there would be variation within a kind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What he's saying is that animals and plants are different and, and they cannot cross. Now, this is very important for you and I in our worldview because this is true, right? For example, there's a lot of different kinds of dogs, right? When you have a little teacup poodle, but you have a Great Dane, those are in the same kind, right? I think even within dogs, though, there can be some different kinds within that same species, but what the Bible says here is, is very profound because, and it's important because what it does for you and I is makes a distinguishing mark that there can be no such thing as evolution. You see, what evolutionists want you to believe and teach is that there are certain kinds that then turned into other kinds and eventually till you and I are here. Right, and you've seen the, have you seen the pictures of how that little fish, right, eventually turns into uh, that little tiny, of, uh, tiny ground animal, and, and then and that becomes bigger and bigger, and there's this transference over time. The problem is that there's no science to back that up. It's theory. You guys know about Darwin, the Darwin theory of, of evolution. Maybe some some of you guys do. Remember the island that he went to and he, and, he, and he looked at the finches, the birds, and he saw them change over time. And he saw that how, how their beaks would begin to change according uh, to where they were at on, on the island uh, and, and according to its food source, it would begin to change. 
You see, that is something called microevolution. We believe in microevolution. We just don't believe in macroevolution. You see, the difference is that we believe there can be variation in a kind, meaning that, that God has put in animals and even plants the ability to adapt, where whether it's the birds uh, or whether it's certain insects, depending on the environment, can have small changes. But there is no fossil record and there's no indication that a dog could eventually get wings. Can't happen. Or that a, that, that a giraffe can eventually uh, become a fish. There's no, there's no evidence. Why? Because God made these boundaries, right? Think about it. God made the boundaries with water, right? He gathered them together. The Bible says that he gave boundaries to where the water can go. He gave boundaries in regards to the plant life and with the animals. And so what's clear from this chapter is that God spoke and it was. I want you to note down that it says that God said 10 times in this chapter. God said, and it happened. God said, let there be light. God said, let the earth begin to divide 10 times. And, and when God said something, it always followed by the action. And so here's kind of a little bit summary as we begin to, to close. Um, and now I know there's some big words uh, and I know some of you weren't, weren't uh, planning on getting a science class mixed with Bible. Uh, but listen, the God that you and I worship created science. He created math. He, he created all of that because he created everything known. And so this is a pretty good picture of, of what we see within the six days. Uh, you guys feel free to take a picture of that if you don't want to write it down. But the first four days, it's really God making it inhabitable for animals and humans. Uh, before day four, animals and humans couldn't live. And so we see day one, he creates and energizes the universe. We see that through the Holy Spirit, that when he says, let there be light, energy, force came. And so he creates and energizes the universe. Then on day two, he creates the hydrosphere, that's the water, uh, and, and he separates that. And now there's also the atmosphere. That's what we talked about today, right? The, the sky and space, that, that atmosphere. Day three, he creates the lithosphere and the biosphere. And we won't get into to all of that, what that, that is. But if you look on day three, uh, he creates, right? The, the land separate from the water. He begins to put vegetation, which creates, again, these different spheres. And then day four, the astrosphere, which is, uh, we know that he puts the, the, the things in space like stars and suns uh, and, and all the rest. And then day five and six is him filling the earth. Okay, now it's an inhabitable place. And so he creates the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, land, animals, and humans. Now, what does this all tell us? This tells us that God is a God of order. He's a God of order and creativity. He's a God of process, which is very good for you and I who worship him. And so that's a pretty big week, right? Have you ever had a six-day week like that? Now he's, gonna, now he's gonna about to rest on the, on the seventh day and we'll talk about the last thing he creates, but I, I've never had a day that efficient. Like that, that's pretty good. He, he does a lot in six days, but you wanna know the coolest thing about this? This was not difficult for him. Okay? Look on the screen. This was not something hard for God to do. He didn't rest on the seventh day because he needed to. He needed a, a rest day. I want you guys, we're going to close with Jeremiah. And I know that's small on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. You guys can close your Bibles. We're, we're done. Other than this verse. Shh. Listen. Jeremiah 32 says, Now when I had delivered the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord. This is Jeremiah's prayer. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power an outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. You show loving kindness to thousands 
and repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them, the great and the mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts. You are great in counsel and mighty in work, for your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. If you can see it, look at verse 17. He says, you have made the heavens and the earth by your power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. There's nothing difficult for God. And so listen, if God could do all that in six days, what do you think he could do if you give him your life? Any problems that you have, do you think it's too big for God? Things that you're going through, do you think that God can't handle it? He created everything seen and unseen in six days. Whatever you have going on in your life, When you invite God in, he gives you his power. He gives you his ability. And there's nothing too much for God. There's nothing, oh, oh, God's going to need to call in reinforcements. You see, that's why we study the six days of creation. As we begin to see how great and how big and how awesome our God is. Amen? Father, we are so grateful of how awesome you are. It gives us such assurance that these six days were not hard for you. You weren't gassed by the end of it. Lord, when you took that seventh day of rest, it wasn't because you needed it. You you were giving us a model because we were the ones that were going to need rest. But we know that you neither faint nor are weary. You never sleep nor slumber. You're never You never take a day off. You don't need it. You are in and of yourself completely sustained, eternal. And God, we thank you that though you are so awesome and great and majestic and powerful, that you are personal. And that tonight we can talk with you. And tonight we can give you the things that burden us. The things that are too big for us are not too big for you. And so God, we lay our burdens at your feet tonight. We put what is too hard for us into your hands, knowing there's nothing too difficult for you. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.